broadcast is now starting. All attendees are in listen-only mode. Welcome everybody to the Smith Inc. April webinar and podcast episode. If you're joining us live today, you have the opportunity to ask a question at any time. Just use the ask a question function on your GoToWebinar control panel and that will be answered at the end of the session. If you're viewing the recording or listening to the podcast later and would like to ask us a question, feel free to contact us directly at smithinc.com. Now I'll hand over to David Smith, Smith Inc. Director, to present Opportunities for Growth. Over to you, David. Thanks, Andrea. Good afternoon, morning, um, wherever you may be. Um, thanks for attending this webinar. Uh, it's interesting to do such a topic of exploring and unlocking opportunities. Uh, part of me wonders whether this is even relevant. Should we get a Labor Party in power? There's probably going to be so many things for accounting firms to do to um, deal with the different policies the Labor Party's got that maybe um, the last thing you want is more opportunities because there'll be so much work associated with that. But who knows? We can only see what will pan out over the next um, five or six weeks. Um, but what I wanted to do in starting this presentation was really to uh, start off a bit with just talking about where I, th where I see some opportunities uh, and then just talk about, you know, what I think is the the most important aspect in terms of trying to unlock these opportunities, uh, which I think is just critical in going forward. So I think the first thing to ponder in terms of um, the opportunities is really um, taking a bit of a step back and thinking about the customer. And when you think about people in small business, uh, which is the majority of the customers of um, most accounting businesses, um, they're a bit like they're a bit like um, many accounting practitioners, actually. They're, they're struggling for time. They're working in their business rather than on their business. Um, but it's fair to say that a lot of people know what they want to do with their business. Um, and they just suffer from failure to execute because, as I say, they're working on in their business rather than on it. Um, and so there's this great challenge of small business people feeling frustrated, lack of time, um, lack of ability to do the things that they want to do with their business. Um, and, and, and also, they, many of them have just learned how to manage their business from just being in it from experience and have little experience beyond their own business. So they sometimes lack the objectivity that uh, you, you know, they, they would be better for them to have in terms of making better business decisions. And then lastly, there's this just lack of discipline that they don't hold regular management meetings. That if they do hold a meeting, they're badly structured. Um, there's no real recording of outcomes and action lists, and no lack of and the, quite a lack of accountability put on people. Um, and also, really, a lack of appreciation about what um, good governance might deliver. Now, as a general statement, there's a lot of small businesses that fall into uh, that category. And in my mind, I've always felt this, this is really fertile ground for opportunities for um, accountants to get out there and really provide some structure for small business people um, around trying to solve that problem. And so this is what I think is, is really the opportunity. And that is to provide discipline in the organising of regular management meetings. Now, um, 
could be once a month, could be once a quarter, just depending on the style of business, the issues that might be coming up. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be, um, you know, uh, every week or something. It can be, you know, put out to a period of time that works for the business. It provides a structure around um, the meetings. So agendas, action lists, making certain that the meeting is covering off all of the key uh, drivers of the business. You know, what's the sales pipeline? What's the, uh, you know, the financial management? Are we dealing with the HR issues? Are we dealing with production issues if they're uh, producing goods or services? Um, ensuring that the meeting's addressing all of these issues is really, really quite fundamental. So you can help put the, help the client put that structure in place to, to run these meetings. And then by your own participation in those meetings, you're firstly providing some objectivity. And the most important aspect in providing that objectivity is to uh, have the courage of your own convictions, to ask the difficult questions, to provide insight that you've had from running your own business or or uh, helping other clients uh, and really challenging the status quo, challenging the client's thinking to, so that they can realize that um, there is other ways of addressing the same issue. And in doing so, it's honing the client's thinking so that when they're making, better when they're making their business decisions, they're making better business decisions. Um, Ensuring those difficult issues are being addressed, I think that is a really critical point. Uh, and I know in my own case, in being involved in these types of meetings, I'm very often asking questions um, about uh, whether or not they're making hard, hard enough decisions um, in their business to address uh, lingering concerns. And the reason why quite often they're not making those decisions because there's people issues involved and they don't want to rock the boat and those sorts of things. But sometimes it just needs someone to uh, drive them that little bit harder so they will address those particular issues. Um, creating and managing accountability is really fundamental as well because um, uh, in small business, the owners really struggle to have accountability on themselves. It's very hard to hold yourself accountable. And so by having a third party who uh, is holding them accountable to an agreed action list, to performance measures that they uh, have set at the beginning of the year that they want to achieve, um, you can be that little, that little niggling squeaky wheel that is hassling them to do the things that they all know in their heart they need to do. It just needs someone to keep pushing them. Uh, and that is sort of a, an important role. Another important role is also to provide that education, to help the client understand um, how their business works, how their financials work, um, and, and you know, how other aspects of their business might work as well from your broader um, business knowledge. And, and the ultimate goal here is to become really like a partner with the client in their business, um, and you become an ongoing mentor and coach. Uh, you know, I do this for a lot of the accounting firms and other businesses I work with. And in the end, um, you really become very close to those businesses. And um, most of my clients ultimately end up um, being my friends because I've been working with them in a number of cases for well over 10 years. 
Um, that doesn't mean to say I still can't ask the hard questions and be tough on them uh, where, where necessary, but you do become very embedded into the business, which is uh, an ideal scenario from your own business perspective, but also very satisfying um, as a professional as well. So I think that that is a really big opportunity that spreads way across um, the vast majority of your small business clients uh, and, and, and I think should be uh, really pursued uh, quite strongly. Um, the second issue, which I think is a really big opportunity for accounting firms, and if you attended our webinar in uh, February, which I spoke about the opportunity for accountants in the financial planning industry, um, I think the stars have aligned for accountants to become the uh, the provider of choice in financial planning. Um, as I, uh, for the reasons which are on the screen here, um, it's really the, the last trusted profession to be able to assist clients in that space. And I'm, I'm not going to go through the same stuff I did in February, but I think just to keep your focus on that. And, and uh, as I, whoops, I'll just go back to where I was. Um, as I discussed in February, I'm involved in a business which is helping accounting firms provide branded solutions in financial planning. So if you want to talk to me about that, I'm more than happy to do so. Um, also, I think there is opportunities out there to help the DIY investor, uh, the, the self-directed investor. Uh, and I think um, firms need to have a bit of a strategy around that. You have a large number of clients which are in that space. Yes, there's all sorts of challenges about uh, regulation about what you can and can't say to a client and how you can help them. But I think leaving them on, the, on their own isn't really the right option from a client's service point of view. And so on the screen here is listed some options that you can pursue in that space. And there's some new platforms out there like Open Invest that um, provide opportunities for you to direct the clients to have a look at a few things um, and uh, provide, have services which can help them make better investment decisions where you're not actually making the decisions or providing advice, you're just directing them to and helping them understand there's services out there which help them make better decisions. And I think that's another important place to consider. Other blue oceans that I think are, uh, are great service opportunities that is good to have a strategy around um, one is um, providing um, uh, opportunities to the elderly. Um, and I do apologise for some reason, my slide keeps on changing, but anyway, I don't know why that is. Um, so one of the opportunities there is that, you know, with the baby boomers getting older, challenges around um, planning for their lifestyle, planning for, um, planning for their, uh, going into nursing homes and the like, there's a heap of work that needs to be done in that space. And I think there's big opportunities to be able to provide that. Equally succession estate planning, somewhat linked um, to the first. Uh, every firm needs to have a strategy around that as well. Uh, and you know, at the end of the day, you look through your clients, virtually every client needs to have a succession estate planning plan. Um, Bookkeeping services, I've talked about that in other webinars. I think there's quite an opportunity around providing bookkeeping services as well. Um, at the end of the day, um, I think we're seeing a lot of situations where um, clients are not doing it well themselves and a supported service where the client is doing, say, their invoicing uh, and you're providing the rest of the bookkeeping service. 
many accounting firms are doing that, making use of data feeds uh, from the banks and things, services like Receipt Bank and the like. So um, I'm seeing a lot of accounting firms moving into that bookkeeping space and providing extra advice in that area. Um, a lot of firms as well have realised that if they can specialise in a particular industry, there is an opportunity to provide much deeper, broader services to clients in that industry. Um, and there's great examples around things like pharmacy, things like aged care, um, things like agriculture, um, where firms are providing highly specialised services in those industries. Um, film and television is another area where I've seen specialisation happening. So if you've got a skill in a particular industry to, to broaden and deepen it in that industry, I think is quite an opportunity for you to, um, uh, to consider because you can charge a premium in that space um, as well. And lastly, general insurance. Um, one particular client um, of, of mine has launched a general insurance offer to their clients and uh, to be honest, they've been quite surprised at the, the response they've had from their clients when they've offered them um, a free review of their general insurances and how many of those clients have taken up that offer for a general review and ultimately moved their insurances to their general insurance offer. So it's slightly left field, but I think there is an opportunity uh, around that as well. So then the next question is, if you take just those little examples of potential service offerings for clients in broadening the services we could be providing, how long, how, how do we actually unlock that opportunity? And um, you know, the big issue for me here is that um, the thing that you do every year for every client is provide um, compliance services. So is there a way in providing those compliance services that we add into that process, a process that enables us to unlock that opportunity? Um, and it's done every year for every client. Um, you need to have some accountability around it because the process I'm talking about, which is essentially the, our needs review process, um, that for many um, practitioners and, and senior staff is an uncomfortable process at first. So you need to make people a bit accountable to make certain that process actually happens. And you must do this face to face. So if you're trying to really unlock opportunities for the client, you can't do that over the telephone or email or any other medium, maybe a webcam, but um, even that tech is still, not quite where I think it needs to be um, to have a really deep and meaningful discussion with a client. So I think um, you should be aiming to have face-to-face -face meetings to enable that to happen. Um, and the place where quite often this can be done is the end of year sign-off meeting where you've had this, where you've finished the financial statements and tax returns and the like, and you're sitting with the client to talk to them about that. Then you embed this process inside uh, that particular client sign-off meeting. What some firms have actually done is to shorten the time at the client sign-off meeting, um, talking about the tax returns and sets of accounts, is that they send this stuff out to clients 
um, beforehand as drafts, get the clients to look at it and ask them any questions and deal with all of that in email so that when you're meeting with the client, you're spending a lot less time on the compliance um, review and sign off and a lot more time conducting this needs review discussion, which is the fundamental thing we need to be doing to broaden and deepen our client relationship and unlock opportunities um, for providing <coughs> uh, solutions to clients to which are aimed at helping the clients address the issues that they might have in their business or in their personal financial affairs. So what is this needs review? And many of you heard, heard um, us, Mark and I, talk about this many times over the years. Uh, and the reason why we talk about this a lot is that this process actually works, but, it, but so many firms struggle to have the discipline to be doing this every year for every client. And it requires you to program it into your end of, your end of year compliance meetings with clients and to develop the skills to, um, to do this effectively. And so what we're talking about here, pure and simple, is to ask a series of open-ended questions of the client to get the client talking to you about the issues in their business or personal financial affairs to unlock their concerns about what's happening in their business, their finances, their, their health, um, their income earning potential, um, their succession um, retirement plans, uh, their desire to do things for family members such as be the bank of mum and dad, um, about succession in their business, the desire to build wealth, all of that stuff we need to be pulling out in discussions with clients every year. Reason why it has to be done every year is client circumstances change, life events happen, um, and you need to be aware of that because quite often what they might have as issues last year might be a different set of issues this year, and it's really important that, uh, that you pick those issues up year in, year out. And, and let me just say this, if you conducted a needs review with a, client, with a client last year and you go through the whole lot of issues and you do the same thing this year and, and nothing new comes out of the discussion, the worst thing that happens out of such a thing is the client still feels that you care about them because you're asking those questions. So it's an investment in client relationship as well as unlocking opportunities to help them with things. So I wouldn't be concerned asking them the going through the same process every year um, because you're just showing that you care and you're interested and you want to help them. So what is this needs review? How does how does it work? And and uh, we have, Mark and I have developed um, our Smithink 10 by 10s needs review questionnaire. And this 10, 10 by 10 needs review questionnaire covers 10 particular um, broad subject areas, and then we have 10 questions within that broad subject area. So there's 100 questions. Now, the last thing we're expecting you to do is ask the client 100 questions because that's plainly ridiculous, would take you a week um, and, and not get you where you need to be. This need, these needs review questions are really just to give you an indication, give you a prompt of the sorts of questions you can ask to get the client talking. Now, 
I can nearly guarantee you, if you do needs reviews uh, consistently over time, in the end, something like our needs review questionnaire, you'd never need it again because you'd be you'd have all of this stuff in your head and you'd just naturally know how to have the conversation running. Um, way back when, when I was uh, first um, working with accounting firms, I had a sort of a questionnaire that I used to sort of drill into what the issues were in the practice and the, the personal affairs of the partners. Uh, and I found in the last 10 years, I've never needed such a questionnaire because I can do it sort of quite naturally. So the purpose of the, the Smithing Needs Review um, questionnaire is really just to give you some, some thoughts and some ideas about how you can how you can get the conversation started. The most important thing about these questions is that they are not, they can't be answered with a yes, no response. They require the client to tell a narrative. And that's really important because the telling of the narrative is where you can actually start to pick up issues a bit beyond what the question might be asking. And as the client's talking to you, the most important thing you need to be thinking about as the client's telling you a narrative is what's the next question I need to ask to go one level deeper into this issue and try and understand it, understand it more. And many of you would have heard over the years that if you ask why three times, um, you'll probably get down pretty much to the core of the, of the issue that's being discussed. And um, that's partly what you need to do here is as people are talking to you, <coughs> you need to be thinking about, well, <coughs> what's the why I need to ask? How do I go one level deeper? Um, and, and it's always about, this is about the client talking and you listening. You're not going to do much talking in a meeting like this. You're taking notes or, in my opinion, you'd have somebody else in the meeting taking notes for you so you can con concentrate on this discussion. But if you look at an example on this particular set of questions um, and have a look at those, you know, you, you start to talk about how can you improve the effectiveness of your marketing, for instance. Um, that makes the client think and it makes them talk to you. Uh, and out of that, there'll be something that'll come out, which will be another question you can ask to go one level deeper. If you look at these questions here, a lot, some of these relate to finance, but quite a number of them don't. Um, and at the end of the day, this is a much broader thing than just talking about their financial affairs. It's talking about what's happening in their business. So if you look at number nine there, how do people challenges impact the success of your business? people is critical to every business, getting a client talking about that might uncover other issues which are happening in the business that might need to be addressed. Um, so there's a whole range of questions here about business conditions as well, because they are obviously important. You know, what are, if you look at number two here, what's the, describe the differences between your business and your competitors' businesses. Um, that is actually a really great question to drill down in what's not working well in your client's business and getting your client to really think a bit outside the square about how they might do things differently. Um, what might be the impact of demographics on a business? And if you look at um, what's happening in the Australian economy with all the immigration and people moving around the country into different cities and the like, demographics has got a really big place to play on the impact of business and needs to be thought about. So talking to your clients about these things can make can unlock other potential things that the client needs to address in their business.
likewise with technology and process. Um, and, uh, you know, technology, as we well know, has a massive impact and we need to have our clients thinking about what those impacts could be. And then it might be one of the issues to be addressed that you could help them with is how do I, you know, what is the investment that needs to be made? What's the funding and how are we going to fund that? Uh, and, and who's going to actually make this happen? What's the people issues? What extra resources might we need to actually unlock the opportunity from technology? Um, then there's the whole risk management piece. And, um, you know, if you look at question one there, it's such a fundamental thing, which many business people don't think about. What would happen to your family and your business if you, if you died? Um, what happens if you got sick for a significant period? What happens, uh, uh, you know, does your will meet your objectives? If, you're, if you if you do, do die, it's all of those things that need to be, uh, you know, part of the conversation. Questions about retirement as well, um, family and personal. I just wonder how many, how often you might um, ask the client, um, are they well? Is there any health issues in their life? Many people are reluctant to ask such a question, but it really is such an important question to ask because the ramifications of that um, on a business, uh, on the, their family life uh, is obviously potentially dramatic um, and we need to understand that. Even a simple question about what's just frustrating you, not just with their business but their life generally, you know, it's the sort of question I ask when, you, when you're standing in a shower in the morning, what, what, what's running through your mind um, and uh, you're just trying to unlock where the concerns might be and how potentially you can help them with them. So. There's a whole range of questions and you know, before you go into one of these needs review meetings, it's worthwhile just glancing at this questionnaire, just getting a bit of a feeling for this particular client. Here's some places I can start the discussion. But at the end of the day, the discussion is more like a fishing expedition. You're throwing a line in the water, um, you've got a bit of bait on it and you're not sure what you're going to catch. And you need to go into these meetings with that sort of attitude that you want to let the conversation run anywhere because what you really want to find out is what is the client emotionally concerned about because if you can help the client solve their their emotional concerns the things that they're worried about day in and day out that's where you can add tremendous value for the client and really build and strengthen your client relationship now, that, that set of questions that um, uh, we've developed, don't use it like a checklist. It is purely a, a, an aid memoir, purely an assistant to help you ask better questions. When you do these needs review discussions too, one of the tendencies of many accountants is to, uh, is to quickly run to the solution. The client starts raising an issue and you just want to get in there and solve it. In this initial needs review discussion, you don't do that. You're making all of these notes and you just flag that for something that you're going to come back to and talk to the client about later. You just, this is all about you having the conversation, getting the client talking to you, uh, because if you break the conversation and go back to solving the problems the client raises, firstly, you'll stop the conversation, but secondly, the client might actually feel that this is actually a bit of a sales process that you're actually trying to sell to the client and sell solutions to them, which is not the impression you wish to leave. Um, and um, the, 
the next piece to this is to ensure that you're using active listening. Uh, and this is the standard things are just acknowledging what the client's saying to you, sympathise with their position. Um, as you get older, like me, you've quite often been in similar circumstances. Um, so you're empathising with the client on the circumstances that you've been through as well. Restating what the client said to you back to show that you've understood it are all great techniques to show that um, you're valuing what the client is saying to you and you've understood what the client's saying to you. So the client feels confident in having this discussion with you that uh, the, in, they're feeling as though it's a valued discussion. Then what happens out the back of this, once you've done these needs reviews, you, you then sit in your office and you might have another partner or a manager sitting with you and saying, well, we've just done this needs review discussion with the client. Um, what are the opportunities that might have come out of that? Uh, and how might we be able to help the client with this? Um, and once we've done that, um, how might we price any work that we might do for the client? So essentially we're working up what the proposal to the client might be to help them uh, with the particular issues that have come out of the needs review. And then you have another meeting with the client and that this ideally again face to face, but it might be over the telephone. And at that second meeting, you say to the client, remember that meeting we had a week or two ago? Here were the issues that uh, it sounded to me that you were um, concerned about and hopefully the client would affirm that that is, they are the issues that they're concerned about. This is the point then that you can say to the client, well, we have thought about it, uh, those issues, and here's a, a way that we think we can help you address those issues and, and drive to a solution out of that. And it's only at that point you would start talking about how you can help them and how you might price that service. Um, and then uh, have a discussion around whether that's the sort of service that they um, feel that they want uh, and, and, and refine it to meet their needs. Um, there's a whole interesting question around how you price this stuff and you've, many of you would have read the textbooks around value pricing. Um, I do think pricing is more of an art than a science and so um, I, I am a bit of a believer in pricing many of these things um, as, uh, as a fixed price um, but um, it takes time to be able to do that in a confident way um, but it does when you fix price it does create an environment that um, uh, you um, you have the tendency to pitch what you can do for a client at a price but in the end and I know in my own case because everything I do is fixed price um, you tend to want to over deliver for that fixed price so the client feels as though they're getting even more value um, which is a great outcome for everybody so I've skated through that and again at 100 miles an hour I, uh, to, to do it in this 30 minute time frame. I hope I've given you some ideas about um, where some service opportunities might be and, and um, please think about doing, pitching around these regular um, management meetings where you're um, chairing those management meetings for the clients, giving them structure, giving them accountability. I think that is such a huge opportunity for many, many clients. Um, so think about that. And then the next question for you is, how do you embed into your processes this consistent needs review process where you're having these quality conversations with every client every year? In unlocking 
additional work from clients to build deeper relationships and to help clients address the issues of concern, that needs review discussion is such a fundamental tool that everyone should be doing every year for every client. So I hope that's been a help. I'll hand back to Andrea now for any questions. Great, thanks David. Uh, if you would like to ask a question, you can type that in now using the GoToWebinar oh, go control panel. Um, while we're waiting to see if we've got any questions, I'll just give you a quick reminder about our Young Guns workshop, which is coming yeah. up on the 29th and 30th of July. We will have the details ready by the end of the month with the agenda and everything. And I, sorry, David? I was just going to add about young guns. If you, if you haven't been to young guns or you've um, got uh, younger staff in your firm, um, it's where we get in incredibly good feedback about that event, not just from the content of the event, but the opportunity for young practitioners to join together and to network. And what we've found over the years that many of the networks that have been built at our Young, young Guns events sort of carry on for a significant period of time um, afterwards. Great, thanks David. And I've just got one very quick question, which even I can answer this one. David Narissa has asked if this has been recorded and just to confirm with you all, um, yes, it, it, will, it is recorded. I will be sending that out in the next hour. Um, I've just got... And, and it also lives on our podcast platform. That's very true. Wendy has just come back and said, always solid, thanks, David. What is the stumbling block slash disconnect slash hiccup from crossing the bridge from compliance to BA, do you think? I'm doing those needs review discussions. So uh, it, it, the biggest stumbling block is people having the confidence to have um, in-depth need reviews discussions with clients so it's confidence and then it's discipline to ensure that those discussions happen every year for every client if you can do that consistently with every client there are opportunities all over the place to um, help clients um, extend their business um, and to also help them with their personal financial affairs I would add to it though that I think one of the things that affects confidence around business advisory is that a lot of practitioners get a bit concerned that the clients might have uh, issues outside their financial affairs that they're trying to address in their business and, they, and the accountant might think, well, I don't actually have confidence around industrial relations or marketing or um, public relations or whatever it may be, technology. So what you need to have is a network of advisors around you, people that you've spoken to and you're confident can provide those additional services to the client so that you've got your own network of advisors so that when the client says they need help in a particular area or when it appears as though the client needs help in a particular area, you're able to bring to the party um, an advisor that can assist the client. Most important thing is that you just don't throw the client over the fence to that advisor. You stay involved and you project manage it to ensure that the client is getting the services they need from that third party advisor. Great, thanks David. And so Wendy's come back and said, totally agree. How do we teach old dogs new, fresh tricks to start the conversations in the first place, please? <laughs> um, well, in my mind, that's about accountability. And so I have a number of um, uh, my clients that I'm working with where these needs review discussions have to be reported by um, all of the senior team every month 
and we're tracking um, the number of needs review discussions that they've done, the number of proposals that have been submitted to clients, the number of proposals that have been won, and the fees that have been generated. Uh, and so some of the firms who are very serious about doing this have put in a strong reporting KPI process to try and um, get momentum. Uh, because, because people aren't feeling confident about it, it's hard. And so therefore you do need an element of carrot as well as an element of stick. Great, thank you, David. That is all of the questions for today. Thank you, David, right. for presenting and thanks everybody for attending. Thank you very much. Talk to you soon.